Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, church. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord here in Woodland Center. We bring special greetings to you from our sisters and brothers in Bukipanjang Center as well as uh, in the East Center. Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit, and we're going to dive deep into the book of Leviticus uh, for the year 2024. It is often said that the book of Leviticus can be quite a frightening book. In fact, it's often said that Leviticus. It's a Christian cure for insomnia, meaning if you can't sleep, you read Leviticus, you will certainly fall asleep. But you know, uh, because there are many things that we will come across and read in the book of Leviticus that doesn't quite make sense to us. The practices, the culture, the ceremonies, the sacrifices, uh, a lot of it will not make sense to us in this time that we live in. But you know, our God who is the masterful, creative God, the God who seeks to communicate to His people, all this, He continues to speak in ways that totally make sense to His people in those times. And that's what we seek to do as we dive into the book of Leviticus. We begin our time last Sunday where Pastor Edmund Wong began to give us a quick overview of the entire book of Leviticus and how Leviticus can be divided simply in two parts, chapter 1 to chapter 16, all about the ritual codes. And then from chapter 17 to 27, it's all about the ethical or holiness code. Now, the preaching team has further divided this whole uh, book into nine simple segments. And this is a way that the preaching team will be bringing you through as we take the book of Leviticus into nine simple segments. Chapter 1 to 3 will be about the first three kinds of offerings that are voluntary but expected of God's people. And we call it the Holy Worship Part 1. And then... From chapter 4 to 7, dealing with the, the last two offerings, which are compulsory offerings whenever God's people sin against God. That's why we call it Holy Worship Part 2. And then we have Holy Priest from chapter 8 to 10, Holy Identity from chapter 13 to 15, and then chapter 16 about the Day of Atonement. Chapter 17 to 20, it's about holy living, how we are called by God to live as holy people even though we are living in unholy times and in an unholy world. And then from chapter 21 to 22, about holy steward. It's not about holy cow, but it's about holy stewards, how God has called us to be men and women, stewards of God. Then from chapter 23 to 25, the holy rhythms. He has made us not to work seven days a week. If you are, that's not the way God has set for us in terms of rhythm. Six days to work and then one day to observe our Sabbath, the holy rhythm. And then finally, in chapter 26 to 27, about the holy covenant. It's a beautiful word, not from covenant EFC, but from the scriptures, speaking about the unchanging relationship between God and us. 
And so for each of these segments, as we will see, for example, this morning, we will do a quick overview of each of these segments from chapter 1 to 3 today. And then in the next two Sundays, the preaching team will dive into some thematic focus that arises from chapter 1 to 3. This will be the trend, the pattern that we will be doing, approaching in the book of Leviticus, like what we did in the book of Daniel last year. So for example, this morning, I'll be covering the quick overview of chapter 1 to 3 of Leviticus, dealing with the first three offerings found in the book of Leviticus. Today, I'll be dealing with what? What are the offerings about? Why did God speak to the people? The first thing He said to them was about the offering and sacrifices they need to bring to God. The next two Sundays, we'll deal with why. Why the sacrifices? And finally, on the third Sunday of this first segment, the who in the sacrifice, about the community in the sacrifice. So this morning, we have entitled this first overviews of Leviticus 1 to 3 sermon entitled, Holy Worship 1, Approaching God. And before we do so, let's bow our heads in prayer as we approach God and His Holy Word. Almighty God, who alone can alter the unruly wills and the sinful affections of our lives, speak, Lord. Write your holy word in our hearts that we may not sin against you, but to love what you command, to desire what you promise, and for our hearts to be fixed with hope through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Leviticus is not simply a book of obsolete sacrifices, ancient reaches, ceremonies, but about how through this sacrifices and offerings, we as unholy people can approach the holy God. The first mention of the word offering is not found in the book of Leviticus, but is found way back in the book of Genesis, recorded in Genesis 4, in verse 3 to 4, and I read, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. There are altogether five offerings mentioned from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 7 of Leviticus. And this morning, we'll only cover the first three offerings found in chapter 1 to 3, which is voluntary but expected of God's people. The last two offerings recorded in chapter 4 to 7 are compulsory offering whenever God's people sin against Him. So as we open up Leviticus, God placed a list of sacrifices and offering to tutor the Israelites what it means to approach the Holy God lest we take our Holy God for granted. And so in this first three offerings, we will see three portraits of our holy God as we approach Him. The first portrait is the God who is all-deserving. The second portrait is the God who is all-providing. And finally, the third portrait, the God who is all 
welcoming. If you're ready, please turn with me to your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 1 right now as we read from verses 1 to 6 of Leviticus. Reading from the ESV version, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a meal without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord and Aaron's son, the priest, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the site of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flat the burnt offering and cut into pieces. Verse 9, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. There are two important features and highlights of the burnt offering. Many things, but just two key vital features. The firstly, it's about a costly sacrifice of a male animal without blemish, required in this burnt offering. It is an animal without disease, if you like, perfect and intact. And this animal will be killed its guts collected, its blood will be spilt at the altar of sacrifice before the tent of meeting. Everything about this meal animal is sacrificed to the Lord except the skin. So everything of this meal animal will be given to the priest to burn up by fire and given to the Lord. It's almost like the story that we will read in this period of Lent of this lady who wanted to worship the Lord. And so in her home, she found the alabaster jar of perfume. And the Bible tells us it was a costly sacrifice because it was a one year of wages for her. And she broke the jar and used the oil to wipe the feet of Jesus. And people say, what a waste! Of money. What a waste of perfume, but it was a royal waste because it was a sacrifice perfect and fit for the King Lord Jesus. Now, in those days, culturally, bulls are rare because they are used for breeding. For any farmer to kill and sacrifice a male animal, it was likened to killing your golden goose who bears and lays your golden eggs. To kill a bull will be to stop an entire supply chain of your farm. And a prized bull was as close to perhaps the alabaster jar that this woman would give to Jesus. And how this Sacrifice of a bull could feed many mouths and even provide security for many. So that's the first feature of a burnt offering. It costs 
and it is a costly sacrifice. The second is this burnt offering involves a complete atonement for the worshipper to approach God. We find this in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4. He says, He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be acceptable for him to make atonement for him. Now, the word atonement was a difficult Hebrew word for the early Bible translated to find an appropriate word. The word in Hebrew here is the word kippon, the idea of pouring, all right? And so, if you break the English word atonement, it will look like at one man. You bring them together, it is atonement. And it's a picture of two parties that were once strangers to each other, but they are no longer estranged, but they are brought together at one point, one moment. And that's where we get the word atonement, at one moment. And it's the idea of how can the Israelites be made one with God? How can the Israelites approach God in spite of their sin? And this is done when the person lays his hand on the head of the animal, symbolizing identification with the animal, the animal taking the sin of the person. And when the animal is killed, died and burned, and his blood is spilled at the sides of the altar, it signifies the animal taking the place of the Israelite. So the idea of kippon is to cover over. That's the literal meaning of the word atonement. And in this context, it is to cover over the penalty of sin of the person. We read this in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 5. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. And Aaron's son, the priest, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the side of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, blood is very significant because it represents life. Without blood, there will be no life. And so in this burnt offering, it is a life for a life. A life of an animal for the sake of a life of a person. And therefore, approaching God is costly. It's so costly, it costs a life. Leviticus 17 verse 11 tells us this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Now, it may seem like God received everything in this burnt offering, and the worshipper received nothing. Because the entire offering was completely burnt as a fragrant aroma to the Lord, reflecting a God who is worthy of it all, reflecting a God who is all deserving nothing but our best, even if it's a costly sacrifice like a male animal, the bull. Recently, during the Chinese New Year's season, I met with a friend and he asked me, how long have I been serving as a pastor? 
So I said, well, I've been serving for almost 38 years in a full-time Christian ministry. And my friend asked, wow, do you ever had any second thought or regrets about doing something different maybe from being a pastor? You mean after NS, we say goodbye and you became a pastor straight away and until now, 38 years? Didn't you think of any other profession like maybe real estate, insurance? I say, I do. In fact, that's what I do as a pastor. I sell insurance but I sell eternal life insurance. I say, that's what I do. I sell property. I don't sell leasehold or freehold. I sell behold property. (laughs) Because the Bible says when we get to heaven, our property will be behold. The mansions are with streets made of gold. That's why I'm a pastor, I said. (laughs) So think of friends you need to bring for Alpha. And my simple response to my friend is, I will quote the words of my spiritual mentor, C.T. Studd, who says, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, if Jesus Christ be God and He sacrificed Himself for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for Him. In other words, nothing I have left behind. Nothing that... Similarly, I have given up or even come close to being a sacrifice at all. Why? Because God is a God who is all-deserving. God is a God who is all-worthy of our worship as we approach Him. And so the burnt offering opens our eyes to acknowledge God for who He is. His supreme worthiness. A God who is all deserving of our best to Him. And my question for us this morning is, are we giving God the best that we have? And in this Chinese New Year period, you do that. As you prepare ang pao's to give to family and friends, there are different kinds of ang pao's you give, Right? For the special people that are dear and closer to you, you give more, right? You mean you didn't, huh? Okay, never mind. Yeah, why? They are your parents. They are your children. They are your grandchildren. But to those who are friends, you know, you get a different kind of ang pao. And there's the same analogy here. That because God is all deserving, all worthy, we give Him nothing but the best ang pao. We give Him our total being. We give Him our extravagant offering like what this woman did. Even if it costs her the one whole year's salary, she says, it's worth it all because God deserves and is worthy of that extravagant offering. Do we give God our prime time of our life or we only give God the remains? Maybe when I retire, semi-retired, what I'll do for God. Or what about giving God the prime time of your life and say, I could have done so many things, but I give God the best and the prime time of my life. I give God my most supreme work He entrusts to me in the marketplace. We give God the first and not the leftover to God. In the burnt offering, we see 
the first portrait of a holy God, the God who is all-deserving. Let's jump now right now to the second offering in chapter 2 of Leviticus called the grain offering. And in the grain offering, we see the God who is all-providing. The grain offering is offered to the Lord in two ways. First, in a way that is cooked, and secondly, in a way that is not cooked. But there are two important features of the grain offering for us to take note. Firstly, some prohibition of the grain offering. Firstly, no yeast and no honey in the grain offering. We find this in Leviticus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. A probable reason for that is so that our grain offering offered to God is without contamination. And when grain is mixed with yeast, uh, with leaven and honey, it contaminates the grain offering. The second prohibition is yes for salt. While there is no yeast and honey in the grain offering, you are allowed to add salt to the grain offering. We find this in chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, You shall season all your grain offering with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Now, salt is used in the Bible to often describe a covenantal relationship with Him. We find this in 2 Chronicles 13 verse 5. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt? So the grain offering uses daily ingredients like rice, like grain, like salt and so on and oil to cook their bread at home. And guess where does worship begin for the Israelites in those days? It doesn't begin in a synagogue. It begins in a home, in the kitchen, over the oven as they make bread and as they prepare the grain offering in approaching God. Unlike many of us, our worship sometimes can only begin on Sunday when we enter into the church sanctuary. But true worship begins at home. True worship begins when we are alone at home. In our master bedroom, in our study, when we are alone with God. Not just on Sunday, today. The second feature of the grain offering is the provision made for the priest. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. It says, And the priest shall burn this grain offering as his memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. Now, unlike the burnt offering where the entire offering, where the entire meal animal is burnt up for the Lord, except the skin of the animal is given to the priest. But here in the grain offering, only some flour or memorial portion in the grain offering is burnt up to the Lord. What happened to the rest? 
The Bible says here, the rest of the grain offering is given to the priest and his sons. Why? You see, when God set, when God set his people to do the work in the tabernacle, God is committed to take care of his workers in the tabernacle. He is committed to provide for the needs of the priests and for the sons and to look after them. And so as God's people brought their grain offering to the Lord, only a small portion is given to God. The rest is given to who? To the priests and the sons, to the workers who take care of God's work in the tabernacle. So the grain offering points to a covenant-keeping God who provides. He provides for the people, but He also provides for a group of people called the priests and their sons who are working for God in the tabernacle as the spiritual leaders for His people. The grain offering acknowledged God as the faithful provider and sustainer of the needs of not just His people, but especially for the, the priests and His sons, the workers if you like, the spiritual leaders in the tabernacle. That's the way God designed how the full-time workers are to be taken care of. During the pandemic years, we continue our AGM, our annual general meeting. And I remember there was one annual general meeting during the virtual AGM that we had. A very caring church member inquired about the welfare of the pastors and the full-time staff and missionaries in our church. Because we can't see them, we can't touch them, we can't hug them, we can't shake their hands. And he asked how our pastors and our missionaries doing. Because nobody has ever led the church through a pandemic like COVID-19. And we're all learning the ropes, we're going by whatever the measures and announcement and so on and so forth. And just as every one of us, we were all stressed, we're all unfamiliar with how to navigate the situation. And then here comes the member's request to the church board at the AGM. And his request is, I trust whatever we do, we are taking care of our pastors and our full-time workers and our missionaries. Please do not withhold their annual increment. Wow. First time I hear this in my over 20 years in, in this church. I was very touched by this congregational member's love and concern for the full-time workers, staff, and missionary. You know, we've been here in Covenant for 27 years now. I'm deeply grateful to Covenant EFC for a super caring and supportive church board and a very progressive human resource committee, HR committee, who regularly reviews the needs of all our full-time workers in our church, including our missionaries. I think it's fitting on behalf of the staff team and our missionaries out there in the field. I want to thank all of you as a church. And as your senior pastor, I want to thank you for faithfully giving your tithes and offerings to the Lord, almost like your grain offering. And through your grain offering, given as a church, like the story of the grain offering in Leviticus chapter 2, God will continue to abundantly provide for the needs of the full-time workers, the missionaries, and the ministry of the church. 
And that's what the green offering was all about. So that the workers in the tabernacle needs could be met through the people of God. I want to apply this to all of us generally. If God is calling you today to some sacred assignment, to some special task, would you likewise trust God to sovereignly and surely provide for all your needs? As the God who is all providing for your life. Just like the priests in those days and their sons had to trust God to provide for their needs through the church, through the people of God in this grain offering. The God who is all deserving in the burnt offering. The God who is all providing in the grain offering. And finally, in chapter 3, we see the fellowship offering. So turn with me to your Bibles now to Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1. It says, if the offering is a sacrifice of peace offering or fellowship offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. The fellowship offering is different from the burnt offering. Burnt offering, it must be a what? A male animal. Why? It costs to approach God. But in the fellowship offering, it is clear the animal can be either a male or female. In the ESV Bible version, it is translated as peace offering. But in the NIV Bible version, it's translated as fellowship offering. The preaching team this Sunday, Pastor Kai, myself, and Pastor Kei Kiong preaching today in different centres, we have decided to choose fellowship offering and because of these following reasons. And there are two important features of the fellowship offering. Firstly, the fellowship offering is all about a shared meal, where the Israelites will come together to celebrate and reaffirm their covenantal relationship with God and with one another. Now, you know this very well because you have been doing this for the past 15 days of Chinese New Year. You'll be doing your low hey and, and, and shouting whatever word you wanted to shout and scream and uh, you've been trying to live it high like 16-storey HDB flat, you know, the low hey. And it is a fellowship meal where even though you see some of your relatives only once a year, but the moment you come together and share the meal together, you are what? Connected with one another. There's something magic about the meal, right? And straight away, we are connected to one another. That's what this fellowship offering is all about. It is a shared meal together. And this is the only sacrifice where the lay folks are permitted to eat in this shared meal together. It says here in Leviticus 7 verse 15, And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave it of it until the morning. And then the rest of the meat in this uh, fellowship offering is divided between both the priest and the one who offers the offering. The second feature of this meal is that this meal is serving the best meal only. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 3 says, And from the sacrifice of this fellowship offering, as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fats covering the entrails and all the fats there is in. 
In other words, they honour God by giving the best part, the best portion of the animal to God. And what's the best portion of the animal? It's the fat, the chi or, you know, all the fats. And that's where we have the famous saying that all foodies like to say, right? The fats belong to the Lord, even though you just put in a roast pork into your mouth. And so it was regarded in those days that the best portion of the animal is what? The fats. So they don't keep the fats to themselves. They offer the fats to God because it is the best portion. Now the Bible is silent why it is the best. Alright, so don't ask the pastors why it's the best. When we get to heaven, we will know. And so the fellowship offering points us to a God who is all welcoming. It is almost a picture of God being a welcoming host in a, in a, in a meal time, in a banquet together. And He spreads a table, a banquet for His people, to, uh, almost even in the wilderness where there's no food. Psalm 78 tells us, they, they spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? And certainly God can. And God welcomes and He embraces all kinds of people. He delights when the people come to Him and they, they, they accept God's invitation and they are welcome to God and they embrace one another. What a picture of what Christianity is all about. It's all about not just a relationship between us and God, but also a relationship between us and one another. And that's why it's so important for every one of us to be in a spiritual community. Because it's not just about you and God, but about you and others, so that we can walk and journey together. Jesus told a parable in Luke 14, of the man who planned an amazing party. It's almost like Tabgome last night. Last day of Chinese New Year. And he planned, he invited all his relatives and friends to come. Lots of delicious food. Lohei, of course, was there. And at this party, he invited all kinds of people. People who were poor. People who were suffering. They were blind. They were lame. They couldn't walk. They couldn't see. They were almost like the outcasts of the society. But he invited all of them. Luke 14 verse 21 says, The master told the servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. What a picture of the God who is all welcoming. He welcomes all kinds of people. He welcomes everyone. He welcomes anyone. And you know what? The Bible tells us one day, he will welcome all of us into the great marriage feast of the Lamb recorded in Re Revelations 19, verse 9. It says here, And the angel said to me, Write this. Write this invitation card given to all of you today. So don't say, I've never given to you. The invitation card comes from the Bible in Revelations 99. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. One day there will be that glorious feast. We will all be there. For such is our God who is all welcoming. He welcomes everyone and anyone. The lost, 
the last and even the least in our society. It may surprise you this morning that God enjoys your presence. It may surprise you that God takes great delight each time you come, not just here on Sunday, but each time, every day, from Monday to Saturday, when you take time to open up His Word, as you take time to be in His presence, God takes great joy to be there with you. Why? Because God wants to be with us. The question for us this morning is, do we want to be with God? God welcomes us. And the question for us is, do we welcome God into our life? Do we welcome God into our finances? Do we welcome God into our leisures, into our recreational time? Do we welcome God in our work? The God who is all welcoming. Finally, in conclusion, the burnt offering, the grain offering and the fellowship offering are all given to the Lord as a fragrant aroma to God. And it helps the Israelites to approach God, to draw near to a holy God who is all-deserving, to a holy God who is all-providing, and finally to a holy God who is all-welcoming. Today we see these three different kinds of offerings, three different kinds of sacrifices. And we think it's about Alma. It's about me. I had to sacrifice to God. It's such a, a costly thing to do. But you know what? In reality and truth, the Bible tells us ultimately it, it is God who first offered Himself as a sacrifice for you and for me. God gave and He offered His one and only begotten Son. He sacrificed His only child to us to be the sacrifice for our sin. He was like the lamb that was killed. His blood was spilled for us to cover over the penalty of our sin so as to make a way, so as to open up the door, so as to usher the invitation to us that we might approach God and draw near to Him. So as to allow God to dwell in our hearts forever and ever. This is our God. Because of God, we are able, therefore, to draw near and approach Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. The year 2024 is God's invitation for us to be holy as He is holy. And we cannot be holy. But thanks be to God, our holy God, who offered and sacrificed His Son so that you and I might come, not just to draw near to Him, not just to approach Him, but to allow the transforming power of God to make us holy. I know of no other way to approach Him but to worship Him and to thank Him and say, God, thank You for sacrificing Yourself to us. Because of You, 
I was born again. Because of you, I'm ransomed by your grace. Because of you, my sins are washed away. Because of you, heaven knows my name. Because of you, my heart has now finally found a home in you. If that's your desire, you say, Lord, I know for some of us, we are far away from God. For some of us, we are cold away from God. For some of us, we are walking with God. Thanks be to God. But we say, God, bring me nearer to you. Draw me closer to you. Help me approach you every day in my life. In my work, in my sleeping, in my waking, in my playing, in my eating. Help me approach you with fear, with reverence, Lord. To approach you as the God who is all-deserving, all-providing, and all-welcoming. If that's your desire of your heart, I invite you to stand with me right now as we sing this song in gratitude to God and say, because of you, because of you, because of your sacrifice, we can now approach and draw near to you. Because of you, I was born again. Because of you, I'm ransomed by your grace. Because of you, my heart has found a home. Because of you, since I washed away, because of you, heaven knows my name, because of you, I can live again, you've broken every desire of your heart today to say, Lord, in this year 2024, help me draw near to you. Help me approach you, not with fear, but with faith, knowing that you are the God all-deserving, all-providing, all-welcoming. And that's the desire of your heart. I invite you to place your hand on your heart right now and sing this with great confidence that because of you, I can approach you, Lord. Because of you, the weak say I am strong. Amen. Because of you, the broken have a soul. Sing that song. Because of you, there's no need to fear. Hope's
Father, thank you. Thank you that we can stand forever and declare that indeed my Saviour rescued me. Would you now lift up your hands and receive the Lord's benediction? And after the benediction, to stay behind for a very special announcement. So let's leave our hands to receive the Lord's blessing. And now may the Lord Jesus, who first offered and sacrificed Himself to us to shed His blood for our sins, to make us holy, will He also today make us worthy to share in His calling and in His suffering in this present age so that you may also be glorified with Him in the age to come, both now and forevermore. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.